I mean, it must have been the last thing you expected. No, you know, but I'll never get dressed up like that again. I, I, I knew I was crossing the line. Oh, um, welcome, Gordon Dundas. How are you doing? <laughs> welcome to Whiskey Unscripted Season 5, Episode 2. Two. two. two, 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 two. Yeah, very good, very good. How are you? I feel like this almost would be like, remember the Naked Gun uh, uh, programmes, uh, Episode 2 and a half? This feels like an extra half this episode that I think mm-hmm. should be... Two and a half. I'm doing very well, Gordon. I just uh, had a lot of feedback from Malcolm Rennie, uh, who was on in the first episode, and everybody was loving Malcolm in terms of his straight down the line chat about Rosebank and uh, his history and and all that. So thanks again to Malcolm for debuting our season five. Oh, that's fantastic, Gordon. And I thought, you know, I don't have many thoughts about Whiskey Unscripted, but I just thought maybe we could start this episode with a dram. Yes, Okay. So would you like to go first or second, my love? As they say in all good game shows. You go first. Okay. I thought we'd go to the Emerald Isle. Oh. And go, I, I don't when's the last time you had a teeling. All Irish. Got, you talking about all Irish whiskey is triple distilled. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> right. Our all survey Irish. said, no, it's not. So you've got, uh, what have you got there? A teeling. I have got a teeling. And it is a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Single grain, right. and it's a red wine finish. Quite, I would say, it's very interesting. Single grain, you now single grain, so, interesting. Yeah, what's it, what's it? So you've got that sort of lighter, probably firstly matured in refill bourbon, or maybe bourbon, and then finished in that big red wine. It's going to be quite strong on the wine, I would guess. A bit tannic, dry, a little bit red berry fruitiness. Uh, red berry is right on the nose there, Gordon. Um, and I love my Turkish delight. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about descriptors, but oh, lovely bit of Turkish delight. But I'm just reading the notes here nine years in ex bourbon barrels and four years in ex Bordeaux red wine casks. So these are the things, nice. that, you know. And I thought I'd bring this out because, A, they're at Whiskey Renaissance in Ireland. I mean, yeah, 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 lots yeah. Of, absolutely. Lots of uh, expressions coming out. But just the experimentation that can be done mm. on whiskies now. Absolutely. And and you can even do more in Ireland than you probably can do here. They have, uh, you know, single pot still oh. or, 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 or Irish whiskey as well, which is made predominantly with um, unmalted barley, which is just barley, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, what you've got there, single grain made in uh, coffee stills, probably quite a high percentage of alcohol, about 94 probably. Not particularly flavoursome because it's made to be blended with, you know, but, uh, yep. you know, adding that red wine cask could make it a really, really lovely whiskey, I'm sure. Well, that's it. Gives another dimension, Gordon. And just a little background, you know, my, my history had a look at the Teeling family. 1782, they can take their history back to distilling mm-hmm. in Ireland. In 2015, they opened up the, I think it was the first distillery in Dublin in 125 years. So mm-hmm. lots Fabulous. of great things happening. About the so, uh, 2015. This is this is yep. the madness of the Scotch whiskey, uh, the, the, the whiskey industry. 2015 is what 
six, seven years ago. That's right. And you're drinking a 13-year-old. Correct. Correct. Ta-da! Obviously not made by that distillery. Um, I have a fair guess which distillery it was made from. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's some stock they will have had from before. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm sure it is, Gordon. So that's a lovely whiskey. I just thought quite nicely sort of focusing some of the whiskeys for our whiskey unscripted. And that's a great dram. 50% ABV. Oh, nice. It's that. a bit dry, quite dry. Yeah, it's, yeah dries quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. But Red, a long finish. Red wine finishes are or red wine matured, however you want to look at it, is uh, they're quite polarizing in the world of whiskey. Some people love them. Some people don't love them. And hey, that's the way it is. Well, I tell you what I've got. I've got a, um, we lost one of the good guys in the whiskey industry in the last week. Um, and there's plenty of good guys, to be fair. But we lost a, a gentleman called Jason Craig, who was the brand director for any Highland Park fans out there may may have uh, come across Jason. He was the brand director for for Highland Park. Uh, Fifty one, I think he was. Unfortunately, oh, he passed away through cancer. I think, which is a real shame. And um, Jason was a good friend of mine. I'd known him for pretty much my whole time in the whiskey industry. So nearly twenty odd years, um, and uh, worked with him a little bit when I was at um, Whiskey Magazine on a few things that we did in collaboration with Highland Park and things like that. So. Genuinely one of the best guys. We always had a time for a word and a chat and a bit of a dram and, you know, really, really good guy. So, um, sadly, was he always missed. At, Gordon, sorry, was he always at Highland Park? Did he have- he's, been, he's been at Edrington since I can remember. Wow. So that's 20 years plus, I think. He, he then moved off Highland Park and worked on Cutty Sark for a while and moved back to Highland Park. So I think that's where his heart was. But uh, a real shame he's not with us anymore. Um, and my thoughts go out to to his family and to the Edrington family as well, because he really oh, was yeah. one of the good guys. But uh, so I'm drinking, I, I opened on, I heard about it on Saturday and I had a little, a little measure of 25 year old Highland Park uh, from a miniature, which uh, I have. And I'm just going to finish that off because it, it's such a beautiful whiskey um, to Jason uh, wishing you all the best. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, just, just sad, sad, sad news. That's very sad. I'm just glad I rammed to, to Jason there. Uh, Gordon, the other big news, of course, we had Malcolm Rennie on last week, and the other mm-hmm. big news is the revival, and m- more of the revival of Rosebank with the stills arriving. It, it, it continues the revival. It was actually there yesterday, Gordon, and uh, we were just having a discussion on a few things yesterday, and, and uh, the big holes in the still house are there for the... The one, two, three is the magic number stills. Um, and they're going to get basically dropped in through the roof of Rosebank. So the road's going to be closed. So again, Falkirk residents in, in that part of town, I'm really sorry. I tell you what, uh, through the magic of podcasting, why don't we go to two very charming and some might say dashingly attractive gentlemen outside Rosebank with a click of the fingers. All right, let's do that. Well, it's a beautiful day here. We're in the, we're in the Falkirk. Uh, we're outside Rosebank Distillery, and it is the return of the heartbeat of the distillery. The triple distillation stills. The three stills are going to come and, and are about to be dropped through the roof into the distillery. Malcolm Reddy, star of episode one, standing right beside us. Malcolm, could you explain what happened this morning and what we're looking at right now? Well, at, at the moment, we're looking at the three, three stills sitting in the back of two lorries. Uh, what's going to happen now is the, I think the pot for the spirit still is going to be the first one that's going to get dropped into the building 
uh, and then we'll carry on throughout the rest of the day putting the three stills in. So, so they had to take the roof off first, is that what I was watching? They had to take the roof off first, yeah, yeah, so they can get them in. So it's a huge landmark day for Rosebank, really another huge step in bringing Rosebank back to life. That's amazing, Gordon. This is absolutely very exciting, isn't it? Well, I think if you take into account what happened to the old set of stills here, um, they were uh, stolen by some, 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 some people in the... Uh, the, the 2000s I think um, then it's great to see the new stills of the same shape as well so exactly the same shape that was there coming back in um, to provide this triple distillation and then, then the worm tubs will follow which was the main feature that made Rosebank so different was that juxtaposition that we've spoken so much about and I have to say I was expecting to get absolutely slaughtered with the wind and the rain but it's beautiful just now beautiful isn't it this is, it's almost meant to be Malcolm yes absolutely perfect day for it Gordon yeah and we've got a crowd of uh, one of onlookers taking photographs and we've got a gentleman here. What's your name, sir? Uh, Patrick. Patrick. Now, I believe you've got one or two Rosebanks in your possession. What do you know about Rosebank? What does it mean to you? Rosebank, we're a local, local distillery. I stayed just around the corner. Um, it's great to see it coming back to life again. Um, Did you think you'd see this day? Don't, no, no. There were a few attempts in the past, but I think it's going to happen this day. <laughs> and of course, I should ask, uh, did you steal the original stills? <laughs> He's off, catch that one, I'm just joking. No, very quickly, uh, Rosebank, what, what have you got? What's your collection? Um, I've got about half a dozen flora and fauna, 12-year-olds, um, amongst others. 21-year-olds, oh, 20, no, 25, 21s. What makes it so special? Um, <laughs> love the whiskey, yeah. Well, listen, we are just getting the uh, first still off and running, but thank you very much. Thank Enjoy the day, so guys, thank you. Okay, we're about an hour from the last update, so still... Lovely blue skies. Gordon, what's happening? There's a bit of a delay in the stills going in. And it's we've got a bigger beautiful. crowd. It's a still day, but there's no, there's still no development on the stills. Um, it's all stills. Who have you got? I'm here with Tom Bruce Gardine. Ah. Now, Tom has, Tom has done some fabulous research and lots of writing on the blog. If you're not a member of the Rosebank Club, obviously join. Tom, it's a big day for this distillery, isn't it? Oh, it's an amazing day. It's wonderful. I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, just seeing the still sitting there, yeah. about yeah. to get lifted um, in, so glinting in the sunshine. Absolutely. Yeah, amazing. And, and not too many upset locals. They, they all seem actually quite interested. We've got quite a bit of a crowd now, which is fabulous. But, um, Tom, I know you've done quite over, the, over the years quite a bit with Rosebank and you've looked into to Rosebank. It really was a special distillery, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was a real special distillery, but it was kind of... A hidden gem because yeah. they didn't because it was basically going for blending uh, nearly everything that was being produced until it closed in 1993, and um, but it was just beginning to get known quite how special it was when it shut, and it is a miracle that it's um, survived that it's been re- re- rebuilt, resuscitated because the odds were, you know. Oh, yeah. lessening I think every as time year. went on the odds were yeah, yeah. and there had been attempts yeah. to try and do this but yeah. failed failed I mean there was talk about it being uh, turned into a brewery there was going to be a micro distillery there was going to be development always going to get bulldozed you know I mean there was the, but the odds were, were, were yeah. really and there was a few false dawns and I think we've just yeah. spoken to some locals here who've yeah. gone we're so glad this is really happening which is fabulous so yeah no, I'm glad you could join us today oh yeah no, fantastic. I wouldn't miss it. As the number 38 bus thunders by, and we've got Scott Jackson. Uh, Scott Jackson, what is your connection to Rosebanks? I know it's of a liquid variety. Would that be 
correct? Yes, yes, indeed. I'm, I'm a resident of Falkirk and uh, a keen enthusiast of uh, this particular distillery. So over the years, I've managed to collect and uh, sample quite a number of uh, the bottles that have been, been produced here back in the day. So, uh, so do, you, do you remember when it closed? I, I, do, I do indeed, yeah. I had an old uncle who worked here once upon a time back in, the, it would have been in the 70s into the early 80s. And I was always amazed when he used to tell tales of uh, making whiskey on the night shift. I couldn't fathom why anybody would make whiskey on the night shift, given the long so maturation he was a production. Time. He, was a, he was a production guy, yeah. And so that just kind of, uh, I don't know, piqued my interest. And uh, my father-in-law was in the industry. And uh, I've always been in, uh, interested in industrial history. And, of course, whiskey's a very pleasant uh, very pleasant drink. So, And what, why... Is Rosebank so special? I think we spoke to Malcolm last week. We kind of roughly have an idea, but for for you, why is it so special? Uh, well, it is. Uh, well, it was certainly known as the Queen of the Lowlands. Uh, so, uh, generally, uh, amongst whisky enthusiasts like myself, uh, considered to be the, the 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 sort of premium of the Lowland drams, a uh, particular style, nice light in character. Uh, got all those lovely sort of fruity, uh, creme brulee, barley, barley sugar, butterscotch type notes. Um, and it's just a very, very, very pleasant, some might say aperitif style whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, but very, very approachable, easy to drink. And um, as I say, coming from Falkirk, born here, um, it just means something particular. What special. was the ABVs of these things, you remember? Give us a little picture of some of the, some of the whiskey, some of the range. Um, well, um, a lot of the a lot of the standard output was was forty or, or forty three. Um, the, the the sort of classic certainly of of uh, latter years uh, when Diageo put the the classic six uh, uh, together and Rosebank unfortunately wasn't those one of those. But when they put their uh, flora and fauna range together, um, the the twelve year old flora and fauna was a staple for many years. I think that was from the eighties. That was forty three. Um, Latter uh, OBs were um, they, they did Diageo did two 21 year olds and a 25 year old. They were in the early 50s from memory, so uh, early to mid 50s. And that 25 year old particularly is an absolute cracker. It's it's a beauty. Um, it's just a burst of uh, citrus. Uh, interestingly, I get lime in it, not just sort of. Um, Orange and lemon, but I get a real burst of lime it's from funny it. That, cause we've talked about this before in the podcast um, that colour isn't everything. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a lighter style. It's a lighter it's style. Full of flavour. Yeah, yeah, and and to be fair, even even some of the uh, even some of the um, the the other independent bottlers, um, signatory Gordon and McPhail, um, the, the, there was a range that uh, Signatory did from around, they were bottled around the 2000 mark, and when you look at them, they're pale as anything. They're, they're almost, you, you think, this, this is going to have very little flavour, it just looks wrong, and when you taste it, it's just a burst of fruit, sweet fruit, lychees, lychees, pears, all that kind of stuff. Fantastic. It's perfect. People always think it's yeah. got to be dark, it's got to be yeah. mahogany to have flavour, and that's just yeah. not the case. Not the case at all, no. No, absolutely not. Right, Scott, no. give us a quick update. Mr Dundas is a wee chat. Give us a quick update. What, what's happening? Um, well, um, looks like they're, they're slinging the... Uh, so all the stills are here. They're literally still in the wrapper, which is fantastic to see. Um, the, the guys are literally slinging the, uh, the first load uh, on one of the flatbeds here. 
Crane's in place. Um, it looks like we're just about to take the strain uh, and get the first uh, yeah, get the first load up in the air and across into the distillery. So very, very exciting. This, yeah. is, very this is almost like a football match. You're <laughs> reporting live from the pitch side, isn't it? Great, Scott. Thank you so much for that. No problem. I hope Hopefully to share a rosebank yeah. in the future that with you. That would be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. And uh, you know, I think like when the stills arrive, it really is the heart of the part of the distillery in terms of uh you know you can really particularly with rosebank's history in terms of the stills being stolen so we're really transplanting that heart back into this distillery which we're really excited about so it's great uh, to see so many so many people there as well um and that's what rosebank will be populated by people you mentioned jason uh, craig earlier on today you said one of the great guys within whiskey another person i just thought we teased it last week and there's the music could we attempt to do an A to Z not in the whiskey production process or the labels and the brands that we did last time, but could we shine a spotlight on some of the people that have in the past or in the present shaped Scotch whiskey let's go! Or any whiskey <laughs> yes, you're taking it you're taking it across the water, why not Gordon um, could I mm-hmm. start off with uh, a good friend of ours and I think I've got a lot of Glen Goyne behind me he's one of the great Glen Goyne fans and collectors Mr Thomas Anderson oh he is he is now he is probably Glen Goyne's most avid supporter and we thank him for that and now Thomas I think has uh, lives in Sweden and got got lots and lots of Glen Goynes and, and very active with this and loves to and I think he's got quite a few casks as well I also noticed recently that Thomas has been on a very very strict lifestyle change and has lost a whole load of weight so congratulations Thomas and uh, I'm sure he's gonna enjoy his whiskies over the over the summer period but um you know Thomas is a yeah if you if you if you want to know anything about Glen Goyne he probably knows more about it than any of us do so um he's, he's a fabulous fantastic. man fabulous man. really good really good and I have to say I think Sweden was the third if not fourth in the countries that listen to Whiskey Unscripted, Gordon. Ah, the Swedes. Well done. Fabulous. So that's Thomas. That's an A. Gordon, give us another A. Well, I'm going to give you my very good friend, Shilton. Shilton Omega. Ah. Now, Shilton is probably mostly known, in fact, widely known, for representing Paul John. Uh, and really in the last five, seven years or so, Bringing Paul John, I think the job he's done around Europe predominantly has been fantastic for Paul John. Firstly, they're making very good whiskey. Paul John is a Indian single malt distillery in Goa. You know they've had they produce some wonderful whiskies, but but Chilton was Chilton was transferred. Uh, he was on the he was he was he was on a Bosman. Uh, I don't know the technical term, but he 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 was on a multi million pound transfer and went from uh, Paul John to uh, Milk and Honey. Uh, in Israel. So um, he's now, if you want to know about Israeli whiskey and Indian whiskey, um, Shilton is your man. And uh, he's also moved down the road from me into Clyde Bank in Scotland, and I haven't caught up with him yet, so I will do. But uh, yeah, Shilton, if you've not come across Shilton, fabulous man to know, really? fabulous man to meet, and uh, really, really knows his whiskey. And what a what a great ambassador he is for the for the whole of the industry. Well, that's great. This is exactly what the, the, the feature was meant to do, Gordon. Shine a spotlight on people that uh, are out there making a difference and bigging up whiskies of all uh, types. 
couple from history. I'll just do it briefly. Of course, Prince Albert, the royal uh, warrants given out by Victoria and Albert in the middle and the late later parts of the 19th century, so important for Scotch whisky's rise from being a working man's drink to being accepted into the living rooms of the middle and upper classes, Royal yeah. Lochnagar and Royal Barakla. So that royal uh, a stamp of approval was so important. So, yep, Albert would be in there when you're talking about whisky. And I have here, Gordon, uh-huh. I'll hold this, we're recording this in Zoom, so I'm going to hold this to the camera. This is one of the great books of, um, I would say, whisky history. And it is by the, it's called The Whisky Barons and the publishing house, uh, Angel Share Publications, Neil Wilson, um, publisher. And Neil Wilson is saying he tried mm-hmm. to find this Alan Andrews, who I think mm-hmm. passed away in the early 1980s, tried to find something around, about him. But he wrote The Whisky Barons. And it's about those Victorian entrepreneurs, the Tommy Dewars, the James Buchanans, the Peter Mackeys, these Scottish entrepreneurs took the Scotch whisky bottle and ran with it and basically took it around the world and became uh, barons and lords of the empire and friends of the royalty. So it's an amazing book and even has a chapter on Francis Berry of Berry Brothers and Rudd, who goes across to the Bahamas to see the Wild West that was the... um, um, importation into America during Prohibition. He worked right. out what they were looking for, a lighter whiskey. He went back and created Cutty Sack. You've mentioned it already today. Mm. And that was really an amazing, well, it was the first million selling case whiskey in America in 1961, 62. But it starts in the middle of Prohibition by a very astute man called Francis Derry. And it's all in this book by Alan Andrews. Fabulous. Another E. So it's a fabulous book. Really, That's one of my favourites. Um, How I'm are we gonna, in the A's? Are we wrapping I'm, up? No, I'm going to harp back just a couple more A's that I can think of off the top of my head um, that I saw a couple of weeks ago at the Glasgow Whiskey Festival. I want to say Ian Allen of uh, Glen Murray. Uh, I think we mentioned Ian in the first episode, mentioned twice. Ian is, he basically seems to do everything at Glen Murray. He's sort of in charge of the brand home does a lot of ambassadorial stuff an all-round generally great guy and i hopefully we'll see him at the spirit of Speyside whiskey festival if not before loves a bit of tamdu i hear and scott adamson friend of the show of uh scott from tomatin again really really did did a lot during lockdown um to promote whiskey and 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 his brand of course uh all-round good guy great ambassador for this industry and it was great to see him at the scotch Glasgow Whiskey Festival, sorry. Um, so I'm, people, I'm str- there's probably sorry, some sorry. many more A's. And if you've got yeah. any A's, let, let us know. Let us we'll, know. Um, because we'll be on B next week. But there's loads of know. B's. There's loads of B's, historical and, uh, and I mean that in the best possible sense, historical and in the present. <laughs> loads of B's. So uh, that, I, I like that feature, Gordon. No, I like that. that. Wasn't, that was, it was like you researched it. It was really good. Well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was hoping you might indulge me in a, a challenge. I love a challenge. I love a challenge. This is how we all. It's not started. the twenty-second hand wash challenge, is it? That that's two years ago now. I was just, as I do, surf on websites of distilleries. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we call them nowadays. And I always, for some reason, go to the "Where Are We?" Or contact us, or "Come Visit Us" page. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, there's a nice little challenge. Could Gordon Dundas and anyone listening guess the name of the distillery from the descriptions on their websites? 
Okay. <laughs> right, okay. You have got, I would say, 30 seconds to try and identify three distilleries uh, each, I should say, starting with number one on whiskey tripping. Gordon, you have got to go to 326 Section 2 of the Yuan Shan Road. Then get on freeway number five, take the exit at Zhao Zhang Way. Then turn right to Da Fu Road, section three. Go down Country Highway number 192. Turn left onto Zongshang Road, section five. Turn right onto Hanway Road and turn right on Huan Shan Road. You'll arrive in six kilometres. What distillery am I talking about? Cavalan. You are absolutely correct. It's Kavalan. Have you been? I have been, and I lived in Taiwan. So I deduced quite quickly that it was, you know, it was um, Mandarin. Uh, Thank you. And and the, well, the, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a distillery in China. So I, by by deduction, I thought it's got to be Kavalan. Um, you have, and, and I have been down that, that yeah. route, num, route number one nine, whatever it was. So I have been yeah, down yeah. that route. So it's just further inland from the coast. No, it's actually on the opposite. So if you if you actually look at a map of Taiwan, all the all the main conurbations are down the left hand side of the island. So Taiwan, Taipei is top left, and all, there's a there's a high speed rail that runs all the way from Taipei right down to the bottom of a place called Kaohsiung. Kavalan's actually on the right hand side of the island, ah. about a third of the way down. Um, so it's not particularly accessible. It takes a wee bit of time from Taipei. It's probably about an hour and a half, I think, maybe one and a half to two hours from Taipei. But uh, once you get there, an amazing, amazing place to visit. And um, beautiful, uh, yeah. And, and the late J Jim Swan was heavily involved in Cavalan. And um, and their distillery manager, Ian Chang, who we've done a little bit of work with in Rosebank out in Asia, is now um the distillery manager for the new karazawa distillery in japan so yeah look um they, they make some great stuff and um you know they suffer from major major losses to the angel shares because of the temperatures but some of their whiskies are utterly fabulous so gordon that's an absolute mine of information i'm thoroughly enjoying just listening to how you put all these things together fantastic hey, folks he's on 100% he's got two more to go on the great game whiskey tripping Gordon we're coming back um, so next week I'm going to do this to you okay 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 we're in Scotland so oh. from Aberdeen Aberdeen the old lights of the Granite City you take the number 35 from the Union Square bus station um, 56 minutes and you will arrive in Old Meldrum then Glengarry say that again Glengarry <laughs> 1,140 feet on the website from the bus stop to Glen Geary or Glen Garioch as it's as it's red but pronounced yeah, it's red yeah, yeah yeah no um Beam Suntory Distillery um six million being invested in this fabulous distillery I genuinely think it's a gem uh, yeah. creamy spicy Highland whiskey if you've never drunk it try it uh, core range at 48 percent uh, really nice uh, really good whiskey. Great people have not been up there for about five or six years, but it's a great, great little distillery to visit. And one of the oddities of of Glengarry is that it's, it, I think they rent out a house or one of the houses on the property is is 
a recovery center for alcoholics. So it's one of those <laughs> slightly odd situations, but uh, such is life. And um, yeah, of course. Um, and um, it's a, it's it's a cracking distillery. Uh, I think it's the most easterly distillery in Scotland. I think. Correct. I was just about to say that, Gordon, and I was about to say that you have not any prior knowledge of this quiz, have you? You're just this is just no innate information <laughs> that you have got stored in that brain of yours. Fantastic. And the final whiskey tripping play this at home, folks. I'm not going to say too much, but we are in the United Kingdom, Gordon. So get okay. yourself to Glasgow Central Station. You will go two hours and 22 minutes by train. It's on the hour. You'll arrive in Preston. Then you get on another train for an hour and 46 to Birmingham New Street. Then you go on another train to for 44 minutes to Cheltenham Spa. There is no other way than jumping a taxi south 10.1 miles. And there you will arrive at quite a well-known distillery close to Cheltenham Spa. Cotswolds. Yes, you're absolutely correct. The Cotswold Distillery, Gordon. I think I had a small drama of it a few episodes ago. Yeah, it's good. But um, that's nearly expanding, I believe, the Cotswolds at the moment, doing very good business. English whiskey is as good as any other whiskey, absolutely. Um, and they've got some really talented people down there making some great stuff. So, yeah, Cotswolds is, uh, is definitely one to try, for sure. I tried it and was very impressed. So. And that concludes our whiskey tripping. You're next week. I'm doing it next week. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have that extraordinarily knowledge. I've not been to Taipei, and I couldn't tell you who's the new manager of Karazawa in Japan. Karazawa. I don't have that knowledge, so it might not be as uh, entertaining or as informative. But I can inform you, Gordon, that March the eighth this uh, year, International Women's Day, it and is. I just thought it'd be quite a nice uh, feature to focus on a little bit the the women that have shaped the industry past or present in whiskey and what's your thoughts oh, gosh, where do you want to start yeah there's lots um there's lots and and there should be more and more women in whiskey and we're slowly getting there i think but there's still you know there's still misogyny in places and there's still things that shouldn't be going on but we are we are in a better place than we have been and you only need to look at ian mcleod distillers and you only need to look at the amount of um ladies we have working for us the amount of, across the whole from, from production all the way through to uh, marketing yeah. and everywhere in between. Um, they're an essential part of our business and it's not, you know, as they should be. Uh, it's really, it would be great if you didn't, ha wouldn't life be great if, if we didn't have to sort of highlight these things and it was just the norm? Wouldn't that be nice? You yeah. Know? And, I, and um, I speak Gordon with two daughters. So I am, you know, when you know. say misogyny or not get a chance, it, it, it boils my blood. So I'm absolutely, absolutely. with you. We shouldn't be talking about this, but obviously we still have to. But it's a nice way of talking about people like, and I did throw it out there, Bessie Williamson, the first female distillery manager in Scotland, who not just kept a hold of Lafroy, but grew it. Uh, oh, hugely. She, grew, and grew amazing. it to a level. What was great about Bessie is she took it and ran with it and then she realised she couldn't run with it anymore and she got to a point that she couldn't grow it anymore for the the funds that she had or the abilities of the, the constraints from being on Isla, etc. So she sold it on and um, she she really was a game changer for Lefroig and, and funnily enough, I was in the the swimming pool last night and I saw John Campbell, who is the oh, yes. ex-distillery manager um, from Lefroig and I was chatting to, to John and he's 
he you know he i remember him talking to me about how important she was to to the business so john's now at loch lee uh where malcolm rennie came from and they've just appointed barry mccaffer as their new distillery at Lef- distillery manager at lefroig so congratulations to him but certainly bessie was i think the the main instigator who set up uh set up uh lefroig for where it is now um and um you know, it's a, it's an amazing brand, relies heavily on the 10-year-old, but it's a great, great brand. And she's one of the most influential people, of course, in this industry. If I could just do a couple from history, of if course. you would permit me, Gordon. Um, I, I think, and I don't know if you know more, as much about us as we should, and I know you do, but Rita Cowan. You know, it's ah, a bit yeah. underestimated. Everybody talks about Matasaka Takatsuru, the man who founded Nika, the, you know, the father of Japanese whiskey. But yeah. he took a took a wife, Rita. Rita took the big decision to go back to Japan with Matasaka Takasuru. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it was difficult at times, especially during the war years. But she was quite influential in getting the money, I believe, to set up Nika in Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. That was one of her contacts. Uh, she was a private tutor. So she was not just there for the, you know, to be a part of the furniture. She was part of... Mm-hmm whiskey story so rita cowan and our own company gordon mm-hmm. which is e mcleod distillers we purchased it from edrington and edrington uh, were ran by three very colorful sisters mm. uh, the robertson sisters yes and they had a grandfather mr robertson who was one of the pioneers of blending and three generations down they were in charge of his empire that had the uh, Cutty Sark, among others, and Ethel, Elspeth, and Agnes purchased Glengoyne 1965 and also created mm. the Robertson Trust. Mm. And I'm just reading about them earlier on, Gordon. Did yeah. you know that in 1947, Samuel Bronfman from Seagram's, multi, multi-millionaire, offered to buy their shareholding in really? sellout, 1947. And I was just looking... Is that Seagram's had £438 million operating profit in 1947, $53.7 million profits in 1947. And uh, else, this Agnes and Ethel said no to him. No one said no to Bronfman, but they did. And that really put McAllen, Highland Park, Cutty Sark, put Edgington on that path they are to this day and not being bought over. So the three sisters, quite uh, an amazing mm. force of nature, all of them. few well, ladies from history. Well, there's a couple of others. Um, I was up at Cardu recently, which is ah. near Tamdu. Yes. And um, I remember hearing of a lady called Helen Cummings, Correct. who is the only woman to ever be a founder of a Scotch whiskey distillery. And, and I know that that's now not the case. If you look at Nick Neen, for example, mm. then we have a... You know, more ladies bringing bringing in um, Scotch whisky distilleries, but certainly that was her her I wouldn't say claim to fame, but her, her the thing that she did for the industry. And there's a story that says that she once managed to disguise a distillery as a bakery um, <laughs> while serving tea to the auditors. And another accounts, and we'll, we'll, we we would absolutely <laughs> notice this. Um, with Glen Goyne's history that you've spoken about, recounts a time she walked twenty miles loaded with bladders of whiskey in her skirts knowing the authorities wouldn't be so undignified as to search her. And that's commitment to your distillery, I think, and getting it to market. And and that's a, that's a story that you have, or we have recreated, actually, last October when you walked from Glengoyne um, into Glasgow 
with a bladder, but you didn't have a skirt on. <laughs> well, I, I did offer. Y- yeah, that's exactly it. You know, the ladies weren't allowed to be frisked, and Helen Cummings are a great. And I remember speaking to Ronnie Cox, who's at Betty Brothers and Rudd, we mentioned earlier on. That's his great, 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 great grandmother. He's related right. to Helen Cummings. And uh, yeah. One more, one more I want to talk about who is one of the most amazing women I've ever met in this whiskey industry. And it's a lady called Tish Harkis. Now, Tish, you, you may not be too familiar with her, but she is, if I said to you, one of the biggest brands in the world um, and the biggest brand in Australia from a whiskey perspective, what would you say? Johnny Walker? No. It's Canadian Club. Ah. Now. I've met Tish a few times, and she resides in Windsor in Ontario. Now, Windsor, if you're not familiar where that is, it's basically right opposite Detroit. So if you look at it, you look for Detroit in a map, there's a river, and south of the river is Windsor, and the border of the U.S. and Canada runs down the middle of the river. Now, Tish is, she's been, I mean, unbelievably basically taking Canadian club out around the world for many, many years. One of the most amazing women in this industry. I went to Windsor about six or seven years ago, and I spent a full day in the, in the uh, company of Tish. And she told me everything I ever needed to know about Canadian club. Uh, Like, for example, they produce four different spirits, which they blend together before they then mature it. Did you know that? No, I did not. No, you didn't. They use four different grains to make four different spirits. And they mature there and they mature all of their whiskey in temperature controlled warehouses protected by geese. Anyway, that's a side issue. So we, they, they have a visitor center there. And um, what used to happen because of the um, proximity to Detroit during prohibition, you can imagine there was lots of. Yes. People like Al Capone hanging around and lots of whiskey coming from Canada over that river into Detroit. Um, and uh, really just sort of shows you, uh, you know, the importance of of that, you know, sort of proximity from the prohibition beaters, as it were. But Tish is the most amazing lady and um, she knows her whiskey so well. And uh, I wanted to just highlight her because she is absolutely amazing. That's fantastic, Gordon. And you know, speaking of lots of money. Uh, 10 million. How would you like 10 million uh, pounds? That'd be lovely. Just transfer it over, please. Thank you very Thank much. You. Well, you'd have to come up with a game called Wordle. And this is the game that's <laughs> sweeping the world. And the creator sold it for 10 million to the New York Times. 10 million. I bet you wish you'd hung on a wee bit longer. 10 million. So on that uh, note, I thought, could we just... Have you got a pen and paper? Could we? Uh, no, I will do. Yeah. Just to finish off this episode, have uh-huh. the world premiere of what I'm calling Whiskle. 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 Everyone's talking about Whiskle. Whiskle. 
really to do with descriptors. So I'm going to give you a, a word, and I'm looking for the word previous to it. For example, a, a five-letter word before sugar. Uh, if you gave me a vowel, say it was O, I would say it's the third letter. So it's brown sugar, basically. So right. you've just got to give me a vowel okay. or a consonant. I'll tell you if you're right. So play this okay. at home. So this... And then we'll do these. this again for you next week, okay? Okay. We've got descriptors I got from the Whiskey magazine. Can I just say to anybody out there who doesn't play Wordle, you should play it. But there's another one you could play, which is really funny, called Swordle. It's all about swearing. Oh. Swear, swear, oh. swear, 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 um, no, but anyway. If you know what Wordle is, look it up. Hey, Gordon, this is from, I think it was, I'll, I'll, I'll say July's edition, and it's Christopher Coates talking about a Swiss single malt called Langaton. Langaton. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for a one, two, three, four, five-letter word, and the word after it is juice. Something juice. D. There is no D. Uh, G. There is no G. S. So there is no S. What kind of juice? And it's about descriptors. It's a whiskey, and he's describing it as something juice. F. And there's no what? Think what you think of F? Fruit. <laughs> Fruit juice. No. Oh, this is this isn't great. Um, this is what you call slow radio, folks. So have a think. Juice. E. Yes. E is the final letter. P. Yep. That's the first letter. Um, and I think it's maybe a sherry, quite heavy, richer type prune? of... Correct. P-R-U-N-E. Boom. Prune juice. That wasn't Have you ever very used good. that as a descriptor? Not really, but prunes is quite a strong sort of note of European oak and that type of yeah. thing. So, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll just go to the, uh, this month's episodes of the Whiskey Unscripted that Stephen Shand doing the 30 whiskies from Whiskey Live. It was a nice little piece. And it's a whiskey I had, believe it or not, on my birthday, which is recently. I had a Bunahaven 12, 46.3%. Mm. And Stephen Shand in the magazine describes it as something hey, H-A-Y, something, five letters, hey. Whisker. Whisker. Everybody's talking about whisker. Um, and that's Moonhaven. So give us a letter. M. There's no M. What were you thinking? Oh, well, that doesn't matter. Uh, a, a, e. E is there. It's the second last letter of the five letter word. A. So E something. Oh, this is hard. Um, D. B is the first and last letter. D is the B or D? B. B is the first and last letter. B for doormat. D for doormat. And it's hay. So what can I hay? Oh, I don't know. You need to tell me. Dried. Dried hay. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Have you ever, ever used that one? No. No. And I just wondered, God, it's always a game. Play at home and uh, play with friends. That's an idea. I'll throw it out there. Uh, but it was just a quick chat about descriptors. Do you use them? And if you use them, you've got to try and use something that everybody understands. Uh, not, that always, right? not always. Not okay. always. I mean, uh, not always. Um, 
Look, I mean, you, you taste what you taste in a whiskey and, and, and one of the hardest things is to come up with a descriptor. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's some great people who do it really, really well. I'm not the best, but, um, you know, it, it, you, you taste what you taste and you have to run with it and that's it. But um, how can you improve when you're like, well, get a whiskey it, wheel, get a flavor wheel? And try practice. And- it's like all these things. You know, I don't do enough of it, but I mean, it doesn't sound a bit silly. I drink a bit of whiskey, but I don't sit there and analyze it enough. And uh, to get those descriptors is really, really difficult. And to get a difference between a, a you know, a damson jam or a, or a, you know, whatever type of jam is like, really? Um, I think what it is, is you want to take people, you're not expecting the worst thing you can do is to pick up a whiskey, nose it and go, I'm not picking up what it says in the tasting note yeah. or in the descriptor. That's not what you should be looking to do, but it should give you a general sort of area of travel that this whiskey is going to take you down. And then you can develop your own descriptors. So, I mean, there's a particular example really, really recently when I drank a whiskey and to me, it was just salty, but I didn't see the word salty. I mean, it said maritime was about as close as it said to salty. And for me at that point, when I was drinking it after what I had eaten, I was just getting a beautiful salty 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 whiskey you know i was trying to come you know more it was more sort of you know that sort of rock salt type sort of rather than you know the cheap sodium sort of salt that you get you know from a supermarket um and so so there's a whole load of them but i mean you're the same it's you know you've been around whiskey for long enough to realize that you know what some somebody picks up is can be remarkably different to what other people pick up and we did this amazing thing at the behind the scenes at Glengoyne where we give people whiskies and we go and we give them 25 different types of flavors so from strawberries to nuts to and we say to them here's your whiskey as a group we want you to pick the five main aromas that are in this whiskey or and and so they pick from this array of flavors and put them on a plate and we mark them in a really funny way and it's really good fun and the differences are really interesting but you, you you'll know you know you you, you know with for example glenn Goyne, you get a tasting note but it's not it's not definitively that's what you're going to taste is it no i think that's what people want to try and get across that as well it's so subjective and it's it's what you can get out of it but it's just trying to get a common sort of language that people can roughly get on board with. And interesting when I mentioned the prune juice, you went to European Oak. So as you mm. say, it's a direction of travel, you know, dark fruit prunes and mm. yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's just trying to get that across the people that they're the experts, not us. You're the experts. The glass is in your hands. It's your nose. It's your palate. So, you know, don't be towed tow down. No, I, absolutely. Descriptions. And I think that's, basically where I come into it. But I just thought, if we can develop Whiskle, Gordon, I'll, I'll take five million if the New York Times come in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, even two, one each. So I'm hoping it'll <laughs> sweep the nation. <laughs> yeah, no, I th- well, I think uh, I think it needs a bit of work, but I think I'm not... <laughs> it's not to say that i don't think we could uh we could create oh. a, a we could even create a little website called whiskle i'm sure whiskle. what an episode absolutely fabulous and again really not particularly thought about which is Correct. the whole point of it so <laughs> um really really good my highland park 25 was fabulous and again to jason and um let's uh, and the next episode will be a couple of weeks so yes. everybody stay tuned uh, we are hearing a lot of people getting in touch well two or three 
saying that uh, they're still catching up. There's a lot of people still on the episodes behind and we're, we're conscious of that. So we're just slowing down the rate a little bit. Lots of ideas for, for next time. I love that whiskey tripping, Gordon. That Go was good. Some for me to do it. I'd love to talk about whiskey trips because we'll have a, a friend of the show, Petey Pete, trying to plan a trip to Scotland to see so some of the whiskey distilleries. We can, we can touch on that. So I think we should maybe do a wee more more whiskey tripping as people can now circulate a bit more freely. That's a lovely little seam to mine. And also, I just want to say, you know, we're living in a very odd world at the moment. And so we, let's just hope everybody can uh, can get to a sense of uh, normality as soon as possible. So to, to our friends in Ukraine, we are thinking of you. Yeah, I'll raise a glass to that. Gordon. Cheers. Cheers, folks. Bye. All the best. On the whiskey trail